Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, it's that time of the week. It's a Monday morning. And if you're listening in real time, it's a bank holiday Monday morning. So chances are you might be having a bit more of a lazy start this week. So welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. Hello, I'm the voice of John Marker, and joining me through the weekly Zoom slash FaceTime slash whatever we decide to use this particular week, we're not sponsored by anyone in particular, is the voice of Andy J. Hello, Andy J. How are you doing? So this is the one of the fun things, John. This is probably the last time we'll have to do the old Zoom thing. I know. Isn't that a crazy, unbelievably exciting idea? Yeah. Yeah, we've got some news. I'm going to start with this though. We didn't. We we failed last week. We failed to mention that Amy wasn't on the show last week. So if anybody was listening, scanning yeah. through, waiting for Amy Sean, we didn't say at the start she's not. The good news is she's back next week. But uh, yeah, because she's been off on this wonderful adventure, taking photographs of. Am I allowed to say what she's doing? I'm probably not allowed to say. Um, she's been taking. Say... She's been taking some photographs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's be safe. Let's be safe. And she can yes. share it next week. I think that's the that's the right way to go about it, isn't John? I think so. I think that's that's very sensible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But for what it's worth, she sends her love to you all, and she misses you, and she'll be back next week. There we go. <laughs> Just in case you're worried, she's done a runner. She hasn't, thank goodness. Um, now, John, we have an interesting podcast to share with the world today. Yeah. A couple of things to discuss as well. But should we also make a bit of an announcement? Uh, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I'm trying to think, how many weeks ago did we allude to the fact that we might have something exciting to announce? I think, it, I feel like it was a few weeks ago now. I'm going to go with one. Mm. 
No, I don't think it was a while ago. But I, I, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna zip my uh, zip my lips, and I'll let you tell the the lovely boys and girls all around the world. Um, something quite cool well it's quite it's quite exciting so first and foremost just to put this out there from the very start the driven chat podcast remains we will be landing in your poddy subscribey based inboxy things at the same time every monday for as long as we can handle it <laughs> and as long as you have <laughs> us so driven chat podcast stays as it is however we are delighted to say we are having a new member of the driven chat family and that is our very own national radio show that's right <laughs> mr markar myself and when she's not uh, taking photographs amy shaw will be uh, available on the driven chat radio show every sunday at 7 p.m on talk radio you can find it worldwide via dab and online and so on and so forth but yes we are going national baby uh, or international i guess because obviously it's a it's a big old station we're absolutely chuffed. The network are dubbing it the pre-Top Gear slot, which is great. Other oh, Top Gear isn't on at the moment, so <laughs> we're, not, we're not your build-up to Top Gear. However, we have a few more twists to this show, and this is, uh, this is the thing I'm, I'm very pleased to be able to share with you. First and foremost, it is different to the Driven Chat podcast. It is a radio show, therefore there will be radio features, one of which is the Mike Brewer Car Clinic. That's right, Mr. Mike Brewer from Wheeler Dealers, is going to be with us every single week to end the show week in, week out, answering your questions. And we would love to get your questions for Mike Brewer. We've had so many of you write into us since we started the old podcast email that we thought, Do you know what, John and I, Amy, we can do our best at giving you some answers, but there is someone with all the knowledge, and that's Mike Brewer. So, And actually, I spoke to Mike about this last night, and I said, Mike, is there anything you're not up for answering? And he went, ask me anything. Nothing is off limits. So send in your pod questions, not your pod questions, sorry, send in your questions for Mike Brewer. Now, I think we need a special email address for this one, don't we, John? Yeah, we're going to make it nice and easy. Uh, and it's simply hello at drivenchat.com. <laughs> drivenchat.com. So if, I mean, anything you want to ask us, but in particular, yeah. questions for Mike Brewer, for the Mike Brewer Car Clinic, which we'll be doing every single week, hello at drivenchat.com. There is another twist to the radio show, which I'm very pleased to say. Not only is Mike joining us at the end of each show, but we are doing it from a special location. You know we have our truck, the Driven Chat truck, which is a truck that converts into a portable television and radio studio and it can go all over the country, which we've taken it all over the place. Well, that's back on the roads. It is rolling once more and actually it has a permanent home as well as being a roving home Every single week, we will be recording the Driven Chat radio show from... John, you can say this bit because it's really cool. It is cool. We will be recording each week from the legendary location that is Caffeine and Machine. Yes. And moreover, every now and again, we will also be having live events at Caffeine and Machine where you can come and be part of the gang. We will be doing a as-live radio show with Mike and we'll invite several friends of the Driven Chat show to come and answer your questions, to have an audience sit in and have a bit of fun. We'll make a night of it and it'll be brilliant. And we really hope you're up for that because I think it's going to be a lot of fun, of course, at Caffeine and Machine. So if you are a regular at Caffeine and Machine or if you've never been and want an excuse, well then, let's make it that, shall we? Absolutely. It's special. It's exciting. 
and it's slightly daunting, but it's brilliant. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. And as I say, it is and will be different to this podcast. This podcast will continue its lovely long chats with brilliant people from the industry. Of course, there will be plenty of weeks where we'll take a shorter version of some of the uh, some of the famous names that we get on here to put on the radio show. But we're going to have features, news, reviews, and of course, that car clinic with Mike Brewer, plus a few more little things to, uh, to share and have a giggle with that will be exclusive to the radio show as well. So they are two separate listens if you'd like to join us 7 p.m on a sunday night on talk radio we'll be there from sunday the 9th of may you've got a chat that i I was gutted to have missed i often say this but i was really looking forward to this one and then well you know i got busy with the business of this radio show and all the various arrangements that need to be made for that so Mm. i'm just looking forward to listening to this one because i reckon this guy is going to be fascinating tell us all about it john yeah, so this is Edmund King. Edmund King is the president of the AA, the Automobile Association, uh, which here in the UK is the, uh, well, by far the kind of the biggest brand that any driver is aware of, whether you're a keen petrol head or you're somebody that occasionally drives your car to the shops. The AA has been such an established brand for an incredibly, incredibly long time. And Edmund, I'm fairly sure you could cut his arm off and he would bleed AA logos from his blood vessels he's he's just the most perfect engaging man to be um, at the helm of this company um, and I ask Edmund a lot of questions it, it wasn't intentionally going to be an episode about electrification and the change of cars going into uh, in, from petrol engines to electric engines but it turned into a bit of a electric car debate hence the title of this podcast but i ask edmund a few questions um just to get his personal opinion on things things like his opinion on the electrification of iconic classic cars because of course being head of the aa he is a big petrol head but he's now doing more stuff with electric cars i asked him the questions like is fuel going to get cheaper if we all start buying electric cars um and of course are these aa breakdown drivers all going to start losing their jobs because suddenly there aren't going to be that many things to fix anymore because of course uh, electric cars only tend to have one or two moving parts so yeah keep on listening because it is a good chat we we kind of put the world to rights a little bit with electric cars and of course edmund gives some very very well thought out answers to those questions brilliant i'm looking forward to this one meanwhile Think up what you'd like to ask Mike Brewer. Hello at drivenchat.com. We'll see you on the other side. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
And here we are in the conversational part of this week's podcast, and I'm delighted to say we have a really, really special guest. It's a man that I've been aware of for quite some time through the world of social media and Twitter and just a name that seems to pop up from time to time. Uh, and a man that brings with him a fairly significant job title. I'm speaking, of course, to Edmund King, who is the president of the AA, the Automobile Association. Hello, Edmund. Hi there, John. Yeah, quite quite a title, isn't it? Um, it is a title. It's yeah. uh, it's not often you hear president as uh, as UK job title. It's quite American thing, isn't it? President. Yeah, it is, and. Quite often people say El Presidente, and so there, there are lots of different takes on it. And in fact, when, it, when I was offered the job, I was offered a job at, at the AA when they came to me, and I assumed it would be Director of External Affairs or Public Affairs or something like that. And I was at my mother's house, and then I got this phone call from the CEO of the AA, and he said, and yes, Edmund, we've decided to make you president and I <laughs> almost I almost went oh f off come on <laughs> thinking it was a friend of mine winding me up now good job I didn't or I might not have been president of the AA so yeah it came as a, a bit of a surprise to to me so uh yeah, being a president, having a king in your name as well. So king, I know, president, you put it what, all. what more do you want? So I'm <laughs> very lucky to have that somewhat pretentious title. <laughs> so in your own words, what, what is the president of the AA? What, is your, what do you do? What is your role? Yeah, I mean, ironically, there have been some very, very famous presidents of the AA before. In fact, mm. Prince Philip, who, who died right, a couple yes. of weeks ago, was president of the AA, I think, from 1951 to 1961. And at that time, it was much more of a kind of figurehead, a figurehead of the Automobile Association. But in terms of what I do, I, I do have a proper job as well. So I head up campaigns for the AA. And, you know, our campaigns, we kind of classify them under cleaner, safer, smarter. So on cleaner, it could be talking about electric vehicles. On safer, it could be talking about smart motorways. And smarter, it could be talking about assisted driving or driving with apps. So we, we campaign across all, all those areas. And I head that up with a small team at the AA. So it can be, you know, it can be anything from putting pressure on the government, talking to government ministers, to talking to the transport secretary, to indeed taking our campaigns to, to the media. So, you know, Smart Motorways has been one of major campaigns over the last couple of years. We got Panorama to run a program on it. We had put a lot of pressure on, on the Secretary of State for Transport. And, you know, we, we've we've made some changes or we've gotten to make some changes. So, you know, it, what I love about motoring and transport, you never know what a typical day is. You never know what's going to come up in the news. So, you know, this week we've been really busy with automated lane keeping systems and a government <laughs> announcement on that and people being confused whether it's uh, or, uh, autonomous vehicle or whether it's assisted driving you know it could be a story on potholes so there's a whole host of things so so i head up the team that does that we we also within the aa have a 
small charitable trust for road safety and the environment. So I'm, I'm also um, director of that. So yeah, for, for me, I love the media, I love politics, and I love cars. So honestly, I really couldn't have a better job. I, I was going to say, it sounds, I'm very lucky. <laughs> sounds like you've ticked all the options yeah. for ideal working ethic. Oh, that's brilliant! And what an what a um, what a position to follow as well with somebody like Prince Philip and other iconic names, no doubt. It's um, well, yeah. I think the AA carries with it such a huge. It, 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 everybody, you know, in, in the UK knows what the AA is from seeing signs in the countryside pointing towards your, your the event you've been looking forward to through to the vans driving around through to classic cars with emblems still proudly sitting on the front grills i think it, it's just it's such a it's a brand that's so solid in every single driver whether you're a, a avid motoring enthusiast or just somebody that uses the car to go to the supermarket everybody knows what it is yeah so that, no that's absolutely true john i mean what one thing that brought it home to me, actually, and I mean, there are lots of things that do, but one one thing, a couple of years ago, I, I was um, doing some press at the Silverstone Classic, mm. and outside the kind of press conference area there, there were all these supercars, McLarens, Ferraris, you know, a whole host of them. And then we had about five or six AA veteran vehicles, old Mini, old Morris mm. Minor, and when everyone came out, they didn't go to the supercars. They went to the AA cars. And, you know, it was fantastic. People saying, oh, you know, I, I remember my dad had a Mini like that or my dad. And also me going back to my childhood, my dad was, was a very keen AA member on his Ford Zodiac and Ford Zephyr, and he had the badge. And I actually remember him getting the root planner so obviously the root planner was not done on the internet so when the king family were going from norwich to france my dad had to get a route from the aa and it was literally a route typed out wow. on paper take the a11 from norwich via thetford to newmarket and that, <laughs> and it and it was and and we relied on the AA. If you had a problem, my dad had one of those keys to the AA box that you yes. could unlock and, and phone up. So all that kind of kind of history was was with me as a, as a boy. So when I was approached by the AA, I mean, it, it was one of those really proud moments because, as you say, if you're interested in in motoring, everyone knows and respects. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the most trusted brands out there. All the surveys, so so, yeah, I I've been in a very lucky position to to represent DAA since two thousand and eight. So quite a while now. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic, and it's great. It's always great, regardless of industry or job title or role, to talk to people that have genuine enthusiasm for what they're doing. And I think it's such a crucial thing. And of course, being the voice effectively of this powerful brand um you know i put the aa up in rankings with brands like the bbc because it, it just people know what it is they they know what it is what to expect a, a standard of quality it's it's just brilliant so no i'm i'm really really pleased for you now edwin talk to me about just park because this is something i know that you've been campaigning for a week or two now just uh, 
with the, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the, uh, the idea being that we as, as homeowners or parking space owners may have the ability to potentially earn some money. That's where I'm going to start with, because I think for a lot of people, that's where their ears are going to prick up and go, oh, hang on, I can earn some money. Um, from giving up parking spaces and potentially a socket to plug in some cars. Yeah, I think if we look at motoring at the moment, I think the next 10 years, John, are going to be much more radical than the last 50. There's going to be yeah. a massive change. you know, And this is where Just Park can play a really crucial role. So by 2030, which, you know, less than nine years away, all new cars will have to be zero emission, which in reality means the vast majority will be electric. And that is incredibly exciting. There are some brilliant electric cars out there. I mean, I've been driving electric cars for almost 20 years now. And the first one I had was rubbish. It was a Ford Think car that did 35 <laughs> miles on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a charge. It was made of polyurethane. Um, and yeah, it wasn't that good. Now, going from that to the current day, they've, they've come on leaps and bounds and can be great fun. But the one stopping point that, that, that is causing some problems and anxiety is particularly for about the 40% of people that aren't lucky enough to have off-street parking yeah. or to have a garage or to have a driveway. Now, so for the majority of people, if you're lucky enough to have that, and, and I am, and I've got a charging point just outside there. So most of my charging, I will do it do at home. Mm -hmm. And then at the AA at Basingstoke, they've got a charging point, so I can charge there. But the, for the 40% who haven't, this really is a bit of a problem. And all our surveys show that. And what just Park have come up with, is, it's, it's a brilliant idea, actually. I wish I, wish I, I had thought about it. But... but <laughs> They actually call it their greener community campaign. And Just Park was set up, and it's about the best parking app. If, if you want to find a parking space and you don't want to go into one of those big multi-stories and pay a fortune, but if you want to find a parking space, and I often do when I'm going to football matches and you never know, you know, if you're going into the middle of Leeds or Sheffield, where will I park? It's not always clear. You can go on Just Park, you can find a parking space on someone's driveway that is very close to, to the mm. ground. It's easy to do. You can pay in advance. So, so that is great. But for me, the brilliant idea is this kind of greener community campaign. And wh what they've done, they've instigated in that parking. If you've got a home EV charging point like I have, you can register that on the system. So if I was going up to Sheffield in my EV, one, I want a parking place, but two, Sheffield is too far for me to get there and back on one charge. So if I can then go on Just Park, find a parking space, but also that has got a charger available, then Bob's your uncle. I can Absolutely. go in, I can park, I can charge up, I can go to the match, couple of hours later i i can come back so i mean it, it's brilliant for drivers but also i think it will help local authorities as well because there's a real onus on local authorities to 
create more charging points. And mm -hmm. they've been given a grant from central government of about 20 million, but there's still quite a few local authorities who, who basically haven't taken advantage of that. Yeah. So if individuals in the community are saying, hey, it's fine, I'm happy to share my parking place, then I think that will really help. Because that idea of where you ch charge that range anxiety in all the polls that we do, that, yeah. that comes up as, as top concerns for, for drivers. But if you can use this, this system, there are about three and a half million drivers that are already registered with it. There are about five million drivers that use it. And it's growing all the time. I think about 100 new charging posts a week are put on it and it actually makes just park i think it's about the seventh biggest charging operator out there which is quite oh, wow. remarkable yeah. because you know it's you and i and individuals that that are doing it so no i i think it it is very exciting and it will just help reassure people that no matter where they go yes you can go to the motorway service areas yes you can go to the big charging providers but also you can find these little parking spaces all over the country where you can also charge up that's it and i, and I think the crucial point there as you as you pointed towards is the ability in knowing that you have actually got firstly a place to park in an unfamiliar city is always a great thing to have isn't it because of course regardless even if you're going into a big city with multiple multi-story car parks there's always that niggle at the back of your mind that thinks oh but what if the car parks are full and if you're attending a football match or anything with high volume capacity, that's going to be a huge concern. But of course, the other option, or the other concern, I should say, is about, am I going to be able to charge the car? And as somebody who only from a journalistical point of view has been lent electric cars to drive around in, I've had moments with a bit of range anxiety where I think, oh, you know, I'm going to need to plug it in at the next service station. But there in lies that second concern of, is the charging stock going to be available? Is it going to be working? Because often they're not. Um, am I going to have to queue up for 45 minutes before I even get to plug the thing in, which is going to take another 45 minutes to charge? It's, it, it's, a, it's a great peace of mind yeah. reference, isn't it? To know that, yes, I've got a parking space. I don't need to worry about fighting for a space. I don't need to worry about charging it. It's all going to be great. I can finish what I'm doing, get back in the car and then carry on. It's an absolute no-brainer for me. And I think that infrastructure point has been such a huge counter argument for the average motorist in why we shouldn't be buying electric cars. Um, I had this recently, I, I was very lucky to be invited by Mini UK to go and drive a selection of their new cars recently and I had to go in the Mini E which was brilliant and I, as far as I can work out at the moment, I can't really see any reason why you'd buy anything other than an electric Mini because even the John Cooper Works the Cooper S and the other sportier models the electric is just as quick and I think for the majority of people that are using minis and any small hatchback is you're probably not going to be doing thousands of miles each week up and down the M1. Um, it's probably more likely that you're going to be doing 20 or 30 mile journeys, occasionally maybe a 50 mile journey or a 100 mile journey, all of which is well within the range of a Mini E. Um, so yeah, being able to, you know, the, I think the excitement is there for lots of people to drive these electric cars. But interestingly, I, I put up on my Instagram story that I was driving this Mini E and I, I gave a little indication that I was really enjoying it. And I had a couple of friends who'd said, do you know what, I actually really want one. But 
My wife's concerned because she thinks that um, it, despite the fact that she's got a five mile commute, that she's going to run out of battery. Mm. And you know, range anxiety is five or six years ago was a term none of us had ever, mm. ever paid reference to or thought about. And now it seems to be one of the most common talking topics when it comes to the future of motoring. Yes, electric cars seem great, but range anxiety. Am I going to run out of mm. juice? Am I going to run out of petrol? And of but course, as you say, the next five years of technology changes yeah is going to be huge. It's going to make a massive difference to that public perception, I think. But but I think that that's where things like Just Park can actually help because, as you said at the beginning, and you can make money out of it. So yes. you can rent out your driveway and the first £1,000 a year is actually tax-free. So, you you know, you don't have to be guilty about paying the yeah. tax man anything. So it's £1,000 <laughs> tax-free. And your driveway isn't being used. So if it's not being used. Mm. And those anxieties, you're right. The, the parking anxiety is quite a big one. And congestion. It's estimated in town and city centres that about 15% of the cars at any one time are looking for a parking space. So that wow. causes a lot of congestion. So if you can book a parking space and you're guaranteed it's a parking space and you can plug in, then that gets rid of those two anxieties the the other thing we found in our surveys though that there is help from the government so you can get a 350 pound home grant to put in a charging post so so that can help you and obviously if you're buying an ev like the mini you were talking about there is still this plug-in grant of 2500 pounds it has been reduced but it you know it still does help yeah. Because we did find in our last survey that 81% of our members said electric cars are still too expensive. And, you know, if you just look at the list price, yes, they probably are, you know, five, mm. six, seven thousand pounds more expensive than the equivalent car. But then what you've got to do, you know, for my car, I pay no. Uh, vehicle excise duty, so no no car tax. I had to go into London last week because we're moving offices there. So I need normally I get the train, but I needed a car because I had loads of stuff to pick up. Mm -hmm. Because I've got a zero emissions car, I paid no congestion charge, so I saved saved on that. And then the other thing that really is quite weird, I I don't go into petrol stations, and it's yes. quite. It's odd, John. It's, it's <laughs> odd. I kind of, I kind of missed it. I needed a Sunday Times last week, actually, and the, the, and I know that our local shops kind of sell out quite early in the morning, and it was later on the day. So there's, there's there was a BP garage that I used to go go into. So I went into there and I parked up, and it was the guy that I used to see all the time when I had my hybrid car, where I get petrol. And I almost felt embarrassed. I had to say, oh, sorry I haven't been in, mate, but, you know, I've got an electric car now, so I'm just getting the newspaper. And I kind of felt bad about it for a short period. But, but no, it, you're right. It, it is a different world. And, and the thing you were, you were saying about kind of range anxiety, we still get this thing that people say, yeah, no, I'd, I'd really like an electric car. I really like them. But, you know, we go to Cornwall once a year and it's 250 mm. miles. You know, that is once a year. And Absolutely. 
And one, you can charge on the way to Cornwall. But but two, you know, if it is just that one trip, you could rent another car, you mm. you, you know, for, for that one trip. The vast majority of journeys are under nine miles, actually. And so right. for the vast majority of people, particularly if you can charge at home yourself, mm. then it is no problem. And then if we get more of these kind of home charges on people's driveways, that actually just expands the the, the network. So, yeah, we're, we're going to see a lot of change, I think, in, in the next, well, the next two or three years, but build, yeah. building up to 2030. And, yeah, it is pretty exciting. I mean, I still love driving cars. I, I, you know, it's, it's been a passion since I was about five years old. The one thing, though, John, I do miss, mm. you'll probably guess it from electric cars. What what would I miss? Noise. Yeah. 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 It is it it is still the one thing I don't know. When I had a nine eleven, I just you know with the roof down, I I loved that noise. Um, on, on my current car, I have paid a little bit extra to get a little more noise, and it, <laughs> it's it's better than nothing, but. I do, I do miss that, but but that is that is the only thing, you know, the yeah. the driving, the comfort, the efficiency, the fun, that that is all there. But absolutely, but yeah, bit a bit of that noise. Um, <laughs> As somebody that's driving around more and more in electric cars now, do you find when you jump into the petrol cars, is there an element of guilt that you feel, or do you feel it's balancing because you've got both? You, you, you know what, and I, I. I feel a bit bad about this, but but close close to me, there's there's a couple of garages that sell supercars. You know, your mm-hmm. quarter of a million pound cars, and whenever I drive past, I always like to look because I yeah. love cars. And you know what? I've actually found myself feeling a bit smug that I'm driving <laughs> in my zero emission kind of sporty car that's that's quick and whatever. And I'm kind of looking at these gas guzzlers and still admiring them from a aesthetic, artistic point of view. Yeah. But I'm kind of thinking, I'm glad I'm not pumping out those, those emissions, mm. you know, and it, so it is, yeah, it's, it, it is an odd kind of feeling. Um, yeah. And what, what, what they say is once you've driven a, an electric car, it's quite hard to go back. And I think, what actually helped me go go the full hog was that I had a plug-in hybrid before. So mm-hmm. having a plug-in hybrid, I got used to plugging in at night. I got used to that, found it was easy, used yeah. charging points away from home, even though I didn't necessarily need to because I would have petrol as well. But mm-hmm. I do think hybrids are really good stepping stone to going full electric. It just helps to reassure yeah. you as a, as, yeah. a, as a driver. It's yeah. a good little rehearsal almost isn't it to get you out of that petrol fix where do you stand on the because there's a lot of i mean this is a a subject i'm thinking just me with a few mates on the on a a friday evening in a pub garden talking of you know talking nonsense about cars as we all do and the the electric car argument is one that often comes up electric buying a new electric car versus keeping an old internal combustion engine car on the road and and often when you do the sums and you do the maths you can actually work out that the amount of energy that's gone into producing a new 
electric car is is sizable. You know, so to make to build a single car is a, a big old chunk of carbon uh, of yeah carbon dioxide that goes out into the atmosphere versus that car that was built back in 1995 that might not be the most economical car in the world. The, the expense of carbon in building that was done then, and all you're doing now is trickling a little bit of emissions because, of course, the overall nobody can deny the, the the emissions that come out of an individual car versus industry electric supply at the moment. I crucially say at the moment because, of course, things are changing for the better. But in the window of time that we're in right now, there could be an argument by a lot of people who are very adamant that we must keep driving petrol cars because if you're a true car person you'll always want that sound you'll always want that acceleration and that noise um and the smell that's another example i've had from a lot of people don't you miss the smell sometimes i guess <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got a very particular bmw m car that on the oil it runs it does produce quite an interesting sweet smell and i have to admit that is quite pleasant but ultimately you know the rest of the time i'm not too fussed about smelling exhaust pipes and things um but do you do you see that world getting better? I.e., the the manufacturer of cars, Mini, for example, I'm going to use them because I was mm. there only a couple of days ago. Gave the example that um, their factory, their plant in Oxford, they're already massively reducing their CO2 output and using greener energy and even harvesting rainwater and do all sorts of wonderful things to try and keep the build process of their of their cars a lot better. But the Prius is a perfect example. You know, everyone's favourite motoring journalist we used to watch on a Sunday evening would have this brilliant argument about the Prius and saying everyone's buying it thinking they're saving the world when in actual fact it's chugging out 30 or 40 times more carbon dioxide to make that Toyota Prius product than it is to make a Ford Focus or, or something similar. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Do you think that we are getting to a point where it is going to, there will be a significant improvement in that build process mm. for the environment? Yeah, I, th I think things are changing, but we do have to be careful here and not be kind of overzealous about it. And this is where we have some concerns because many people, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, bought people carriers, bought diesel ones mm. in total good faith because the government at the time actually had incentives for a kind of dash for diesel. Mm. And then things changed and we realized that Diesels can cause problems with particulates, et cetera, et cetera, air quality. And then, you know, various towns and cities brought in low emission zones or ultra low emission zones and kind of penalized. And not only that, some extra parking charges in, mm. in some of the boroughs if, if you owned a diesel vehicle that you'd bought in good faith yeah. and you bought it because you've got four kids and that you needed something big like a people carrier. And so, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for for people who bought their vehicles in good faith. And because they live in the city, they don't do high mileage. And therefore, a diesel people carrier will last for 10 years, 150,000 yeah. miles, but they won't do anything like that anyway. And I don't think we should just be saying, look, scrap the cars, because you, you are right on that environmental argument, if they are not using the car a lot, so not mm. pumping out lots of emissions, but but they still need that car, well, then it probably is better that they continue driving that car yeah. rather than being forced to rush out and try and buy a new car that they can't afford. I mean, the, the one thing that's changing slightly, though, that will help some people to, to change is that you are now getting much better kind of leasing deals mm. and 
The reason I say that is, is some people still think, when they think about electric cars, they think, oh, yeah, but what if the main battery goes wrong after mm -hmm. the warranty runs out after three years or whatever, whatever it is? Well, actually, we, we've seen Nissan Leafs that have done 150,000 miles and the battery's still going strong. So that yeah. isn't such a problem. But if, but if people are worried about things like that, there are various um, lease deals that you can do to get a brand new electric car. Uh, I mean, at the AA, we do one smart lease and you get insurance, you, you, you get your servicing and you get the car. And the beauty about that is if your life circumstances change, so if you have kids, if you move to the country, if you get divorced, whatever, you know, if, if there are things that change in your life that means that you have to change your car, then you can hand that car back and get another one. So, so I think the way we buy cars is is changing somewhat. You know, my, mine was always a cash deal. My first car was a mini traveler that I paid forty five quid for, super car. <laughs> and then I went to live in France, and my mum actually sold it for me because I'd gone to live in France for a year. And she got 120 quid for it. So, so oh, my mum did well, which made, made some profit. <laughs> but, but you're right. And the environmental issue, you know, things are changing. They are changing for the better. Cars are getting cleaner and greener and indeed safer. So if people can afford to make that switch, I think overall it, it's better. And as you rightly say, John, the whole manufacturing process the parts that are made in the manufacturing new cars, how, how they're actually resourced is, is getting much, much better. So, yeah, I, you know, the car will be with us for another 100 years. I mean, that, that's the oh, other yeah. thing. Every, everyone who says, oh, the, you know, the car will die off and people won't want to own cars, they'll just want to share cars. Well, I actually say to them, get out of London Go to Derby, Doncaster, right. Darlington. Get out into the real world, and people love the kind of mobility that mm. the, the the car brings. The the reassurance, the fact that you can go and visit your parents in the country, the fact if Johnny has an accident, you can drive into A and E. The mm. fact that if if your daughter is is playing hockey miles away in the middle of nowhere where there's no public transport, you can take her there. Yeah. It is an incredibly convenient invention and it's improved most of our lives. Oh, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you feel about the, the, the way, again, there's been a lot of scrutiny towards the way the government have been announcing the, the 2030 plan as a, as a great example of we're going to stop selling cars with uh, solely fossil fuel engines, or internal combustion engines. There seemed to be, I remember when, the, when those sort of conversations first started cropping up, people almost were having a bit of a panic going, well, are people going to take away the car that I've just spent £65,000 on? That's not happening, is it? People, I, I firmly believe as well, and I think a lot of people seem to think that this, the whole push on electric cars is happening because we're just about to run out of oil. And again, I think it's been proven a few times that we're definitely not about to run out of oil. We've got probably a couple of hundred thousand years left of oil in, in the ground, so to speak. Um, but petrol cars and diesel cars, they're not going anywhere. They're not disappearing as such. It just is the case that you will find it very difficult to go and buy a new car with just an internal combustion engine. That's correct, isn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, there has been some confusion about this because originally the date was 2040. Yes. Then it was 2035 yeah. and then 2030. So it is actually quite radical for the government, mm. you know, and I've described it as, as challenging because mm. for car manufacturers, you know, to, to, to plan, build a brand new model of car, you know, the kind of life cycle is about yeah. seven, eight, nine nine years right. and yeah. and you know 2030 is only nine years away so in terms of that it is radical but but yes there was some confusion because the ban as such is just on new cars from mm. 2030 that they must be zero emission and then there's also talk that some hybrid cars may actually be able to be bought until 2035 they haven't specified exactly but it it will probably be hybrid cars that have got an electric range of 35 miles or, or whatever they say. There'll, there'll mm. be something built in. But obviously, particularly in periods of economic uncertainty, people hold on to their cars longer. So yes. currently, it's kind of 8, 9, 10, 11 years, you know, the, the people are holding on to their cars. And modern cars are often pretty good for that. Yeah life period whereas in in the past you know when i was growing up they wouldn't have been because they would have rusted away and you know mm. all sorts of things so yeah people will still be able to drive their petrol cars they will still be able to drive their diesel cars there may be more restrictions in town and city centers so london birmingham bath bristol are all looking at low emission zones so certain vehicles um either won't be able to drive there or if they do drive there may have to pay a charge so that may influence some people if you like more than than the government saying um new cars have have to be zero emission what mm -hmm. some local authorities do might actually be more influential particularly yeah. for people who who live in in those areas um but i think you know road transport has been a contributor to to co2 to global warming etc so and indeed air quality particularly in, in in terms of diesel vehicles so something had to be done and i think in a in a way you you've got to applaud the government for being so brave in, mm. in, in putting forward this 2030 date and now most of the manufacturers you can see they're they're almost in a race aren't they to, to yes come up with really good models um that are affordable and and that people want to buy and and that's changing all the time you know the mm. you know from from thinking about the the pioneers in electric cars and the first electric cars you know you you probably had to be a bit of an anorak to to really <laughs> want one you know they mm. they weren't that stylish they weren't that great whereas now you can go out there and you, you can buy some supercars. Oh, absolutely right. Absolutely. I still have fond memories of seeing the first few Honda Insights driving around in yeah. southwest London and thinking, what's that spaceship-looking thing? You know, half the rear wheels were covered up yeah. with panels. And, yeah, really, uh, it, 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 you're right. It's almost, I think a lot of manufacturers have looked at this opportunity for this next chapter uh, as a, an opportunity to go really quite radical with design. It's almost as if we've always had as a, a bit of a public perception, you know, the, the future of cars and this next chapter of cars, maybe they're not going to be floating around like we all thought they were in the Jetsons, but 
seeing as it's now a new source of power, I say new in, in inverted commas, because of course it's not, it, electricity is not new, but the, the new way of sourcing cars, it needs to be futuristic and stylish. And yeah, looking at even things like Hyundai, who for many years, I'm sure they, they won't be too upset with me saying, produce what we, a lot of us describe as white goods cars. You know, it's the, it's the Zanussi washing machine that gets you from A to B to do the school run. Now all of a sudden, Hyundai are developing the new electric range, which looks phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely incredible design language. Really, really exciting. Volkswagen with their, their ID range. Again, amazing design language. And it is almost as if they've got their designers to go, right, let's go crazy with this now yeah. because this is the next chapter of cars. It's, it's cars season two, isn't it? You know, we've gone from pre-war boats converted with wheels that we can change gear on the outside to cars we sit inside. And now we're into this new age of electric, futuristic, exciting design. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I, and I think, you know, the manufacturers that have done best haven't taken a current car and thought, let's make it electric. They, they've gone back to the drawing board yeah. and they've designed a new car and mm. you know for me that that's that is the way to to do it because these cars are different you know they don't have yeah. exhaust pipes they don't have a big engine in the front you know mm. they 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 are different and they should be different so yeah i i think it, it it's exciting i mean maybe three or four years ago if i was totally honest with you john when when people were talking about you know, in the future, it's going to have to be all electric or all zero emissions. And, you know, I, th I think I probably had a 911 back back then. And I, I've got to say, I was quite pessimistic about it because mm. I've always loved cars and I love driving cars and I still do. And, and, and for a while, I was kind of looking out there and I kind of thought, well, there's, there's nothing that really excites me. There's nothing that would be practical for what I want and also what I would in, in, enjoy. But then the last two or three years have, have changed that for me. And, yeah. you know, I, I do a blog on driving an EV on, 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 on the AA website. So I got to borrow quite, quite a few cars to test them out. And like you were saying, the Hyundai's and cars like that are fantastic, great mm. to drive, great range, um, affordable cars. So it, it, it's kind of given me back my enthusiasm for the future, yeah. which, which I'm glad because, um, yes. you know, I, I think if it stopped our enjoyment, um, that would be a sad state of affairs because many, many millions of people get, you know, get a lot of joy from cars, whether it's collecting cars, whether it's toy cars, whether it's mm. watching motor racing and whatever, it, it, it gives a lot. It does. You're absolutely right. It's a it's a crucial part of society. I often say to people, and it's something we've harped on about time and time again on these podcasts. The automotive industry is so fantastic because it's a passion led industry. Almost every single person that works in the industry on any level, from media as we're talking here, through to CEO of car manufacturers, through to designers, everybody is in this industry because they love cars, and it is such a powerful thing i think of social events and car events and locations that we we have a, a close relationship with caffeine and machine this wonderful venue which is 
designed solely around the passion of cars. And it doesn't matter if you like classic cars or motorcycles or modern cars or electric cars or racing cars, or maybe you don't even have a driving license, but you want to go along as a passenger and just see what turns up. Nobody judges anyone for the particular area of automotive they're interested in. Everyone is there because they want to be there. And the reason they want to be there is because of the love of cars. And you're right, the electric car chapter, it, it's a, it's a, must be a, a daunting, but at the same time, really exciting challenge for these car manufacturers, because of course, it has to be fun. It has to continue that exciting mm. moment. You know, we, anyone that's been lucky enough to drive a Tesla product or a Porsche Taycan, the moment you can put your foot down on the throttle with it in full power mode, it does things to your insides that you've never experienced before in an internal combustion car. Unless, of course, you've driven a, a dragster of some sort. It just, even if it's not particularly that much faster, it feels so much faster. It feels like an event because you've got this surge of energy that seems to come from nowhere and launch you into hyperspace. It's just, it's just magical. And, and I think it's only going to get more exciting. And in the same way that we've always had a range of cars for every occasion, you know, perhaps you're not going to try and go and set a drag strip time in your 1.2 litre polo. There will always be a, a small electric car for you if you're not the type of person that wants to go out and blow your socks off with acceleration. But if you are the type of person that's been going out and buying 911 turbos your whole life, you're still going to want that excitement and that acceleration in the, in the environment you're allowed to use it. So it is exciting. A few questions for mm. you. First one is, um, and these are, uh, I'm not asking for a professional official opinion on this. This is, this is pure, pure Edmund uh, opinion on these. What is, your, what is your take on iconic classic cars being converted to electric cars? Is that a, is that a good thing or a bad thing as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen a few of them, E-Type mm. Jag and, and yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see the appeal of it. I mean, part part of me, the purest part of me, is is you know, isn't it great to keep a sixty one E type mm. Jag as a sixty one E type Jag with V eight engine and whatever? And I was lucky enough when I lived in California, a friend of mine did up an, an old E type Jag, and I just loved drive drive driving it. So the kind of purest part of me thinks you know is it is it a shame to get rid of that but then when you look at it from a practical point of view i mean that e-type in la was wasn't the best thing to drive all of the time <laughs> you know and and so if it could be converted so it's much easier then that would probably be a good thing so i i think it's up up to the individuals you know cho choose what what's best for you I, d I don't think we have to be too dogmatic about it mm. yeah what about the price of fuel so let's mm. imagine we are 10 years from now so we are 30 30 uh, sorry 2031 and um the vast majority of people that are going out buying new cars are buying electric cars and many of them will have no requirement for fuel whatsoever do you think fuel's going to get cheaper or do you think um i'm thinking back to Lockdown one at the beginning of the pandemic, suddenly fuel went from being about 130 a litre on, on, on motorways to, in some cases, less than a pound a litre. And we all kind of went, oh, hang on, Ooh, wow, I've not seen this for a while. Do you think a similar thing's going to happen if the demand for petrol goes down? Or do you think there's going to be another tax incentive, perhaps, to try and dissuade people even more from buying fuel? Well, I think the interesting thing here is that 65% of the 
cost of fuel is actually tax. So mm. fuel duty is 57p, then you've got 20% VAT. So, so the vast majority of it is tax. So in a way, there's a big political decision because fuel duty has actually been frozen for the last decade. You know, yeah. Prior to that, there was a fuel duty escalator went up every year. So ironically, the government, because they govern 65% of the cost of fuel at the pump, have probably got more influence there than the than the oil companies. Yeah. I mean, but but you're right on your assertion that, that you said, said a while ago that there is still oil out there. There is still, because mm. when I was growing up, they all, always talked about peak oil and when you get to peak oil and it will all run out and what will mm. happen to industry. And, you know, and that's proven not, not to be the case. I think, though, the bigger question, John, is what will the government do about the thirty-two billion pounds a year they take from tax from drivers, much of it coming in vehicle excise duty on your car and fuel duty. But when fifty percent of people are driving electric cars, they won't mm. get that fuel duty. And unless they change vehicle excise duty, they won't get that vehicle excise duty. Now the Treasury aren't going to go. Okay, guys, thank you. <laughs> you know, we we don't we we don't worry about this. So. There's been quite a lot of speculation. What what will the government do? Can they put a tax on electricity? Mm. And that's tricky because, you know, if you're an elderly person, you might not be driving, but you need electricity to heat your home and all of that. So the, mm. that's that's tricky. You know, and then there's, there's been this perennial question that's been around for 40 odd years around road pricing. You know, it was first raised in 1962, the Smead Committee, you know, you pay per mile. Yeah. And that's still something that the Treasury may still have up their sleeve because they won't want to lose all that fuel duty. And okay, there are incentives now to go electric, but there will come a tipping point when I think government will say, well, look, we've got to get our money mm. some other way from from the, the motorist. I mean, I actually did some work on this a couple of years ago. The, the, there's um, uh, something called the Wolfston Economics Prize. And what it was looking at is how you make a sustainable future for cars, but still pay for roads, etc. And my wife actually is an economist. So we, we did it jointly. She did all the hard work and all the sums. And I came up with the ideas. And we came up with something called road miles. So mm. Everyone would get 3,000 miles free that, that you could use. If you live in a rural area, you'd get a third more free, free miles. Yeah. And then after that, there would be a small charge. And the reason for that would be so that the government could still get some tax from people if, if they go electric, but you would have those other incentives. And, and we worked it out that actually it would be no more than the average motorist currently pays because mm -hmm. we had various ideas how to commercialize the the, the roads sponsorship of roads was one <laughs> you know you've got um emirates stadium could you have the microsoft m4 or the adidas <laughs> a1 to yeah. bring in money to keep taxes down so 
I still think at some stage we will find the Treasury looking for a solution. Yeah. Um, could, could we be looking at the, the rebirth of road tax? Indeed. Could that be, it, could that be the one? It, 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 could, it, it could be. So, you know, in a way, if you've got an EV, in, enjoy the free ride whilst you can. Yeah, yeah, it indeed. won't last forever. Yeah, that's a, that's another interesting. Have we have we inadvertently turned on another another <laughs> angle of anxiety for people here? I hope not. I really hope not. Um, my next question is, of course, thinking about uh, the, the the company that you're president of, the AA. Now, when I think of the AA, um, I think of the lovely yellow vans driving up and down the motorways and, and around and around town. In fact, my my oldest and closest friends from. Uh, from being toddlers, uh, Will, he is a, 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 a recovery roadside assistant. Yeah. He, he drives around in his van. He's one of the lucky ones with the dog on the side, would you believe? And my question now is, of course, I, I talk to Will often whenever we see each other about work. He asked me about my, yeah. my line of work in the automotive industry. Yeah. He's very interested. And I'm fascinated in hearing about the latest and greatest breakdown that he's been attending. Yeah. And of course, the majority of them are all clapped out cars that probably shouldn't be on the road anymore or or, or proving their age. What do you think is going to happen with AA breakdown recovery when the time comes that the vast majority of cars are electric? They've only got one or two moving parts. Okay, suspension, tyres and things can still go wrong. Um, But do you think the demand for a breakdown recovery is going to reduce? Yeah, we've we've looked at this, um, as as you can imagine. You know, we've studied it. And... Basically, all our patrols are trained to work on EVs. Mm. But the interesting thing, John, is that if you look at the top three causes of breakdown for electric vehicles and conventional vehicles, they are exactly the same. So it is tires, wheels, and 12-volt battery. And that is exactly the same on electric vehicles. So... You know, a third of those breakdowns, whether you've got an EV or not, you will still need us. You know, there are still mm. potholes that will puncture your car, yeah. even if it's yeah. an e- EV. So, so there is that. There are some things, though, that we're doing to adapt to EVs. So one of, one of the problems with EVs when you're in the recovery business is that some of them are hard to tow. You are not meant to yes, flat right. tow various evs so what what one of our guys did and he he's an absolute genius and in fact he's worked for the aa for 48 years and he retired today so i was on his virtual leaving do this guy steve ives he has invented in his shed at home he invented this freewheeling hub and in essence, what, what it is, if you've got an EV car and you want to tow it on its back wheels, mm. a lot of the models, you cannot do that. So what Steve invented, on the outside of the two rear wheels, you put on this hub, this freewheeling hub and a wheel, and it's slightly bigger than the current wheel. And then uh-huh. when you have it on the two wheels towing it, you can tow it. And it is the freewheeling hub right. that rotates. And it was Steve who invented this. So they gave him a kind of platinum or something, freewheeling hub and various things. <laughs> but the, po- the point I'm making is that we will have to adapt, and we are adapting, 
to mm-hmm. electric vehicles. So if you ran out of charge and broke down, we, we would still help you. Mm-hmm. Um, in our current figures, 4% of breakdowns for electric vehicles are running out of charge. That's slightly higher than cars that run out of petrol or diesel. That's about 1.6%. So it is slightly mm-hmm. higher, but it is going down. And what we do in, in those circumstances, if you've run out of charge, you know, you might be in quite a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. So we will get there as quick as we can, put on the freewheeling hub. We will take you to a charging post and then give you a charge so that you can then charge up and and right. get on your way so you know in in terms of all of those things those vehicles will still break down but there are other aspects of the ev chain that we're working on as well we we work with quite a few of the charge post providers and manufacturers to offer a kind of customer service so you know if someone gets to the charge post and gosh how does this work you know i haven't got a card where do i plug it in um quite often on those calls, it will be the AA that will actually be assisting. So we're kind of getting integrated in all the kind of customer-facing elements of of electric vehicles. And, you know, if you went beyond that to automated vehicles, which obviously is still some way off in in their full form, but but again, there can still be faults with them. If the camera, yeah. the radars, the detectors are dirty, covered up, not working. Um, so, yeah, the AA has been around for more than 100 years, and I reckon it will be here for the next 100 years. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And, yeah, I think it's fabulous to see such an iconic brand evolving, essentially, into this new wave, this new chapter, this uh, this futuristic element um, it's really, really exciting, Edmund. I think we should um, we should make this a regular thing. I think with our with our new and exciting announcement mm. of um, being on the radio, uh, can we can we pick up the phone to you from time to time oh, and ask abs- some expert advice? And- no, no, absolutely, yeah. because you know, as as you know, each week there are different motoring subjects in the, in the, in the news. So mm. you know, this week it um, automated lane keeping systems but you know next week it might be something else so you know delighted delighted to engage on on that fantastic um i mean there's a list i realize we've been talking now for 50 (laughs) nearly an hour and i've got a list of amazing cars that i know that you've driven um i'm gonna have to ask you one question in particular i've got here a noted down that uh, involvement in running a dodgy car rental in la what on earth is that yeah um some years ago, I went to seek fame and fortune in Hollywood. I'd been in the civil service for a while, and one day in head office in Whitehall, I kind of looked around me and saw these civil servants that had been there for 30 or 40 years, and I kind of thought, no, there's more I want to do with my life. <laughs> so I actually went off to L.A., and I worked in radio first. I, I um, did a broadcasting course, actually, and worked on a – Top radio station, K-Earth 101, classic rock and roll. <laughs> and I did news and reviews, and obviously they, they liked my British accent and all of that. <laughs> so I, I, was, I was doing that study at Santa Monica College and working at K-Earth 101, and I needed a bit of extra money, and through a friend of a friend, um, I got introduced to this small car rental company called Marathon, 
car rental on Washington Boulevard in Culver City. <laughs> and it it was a kind of small startup. And when I joined, they only had about 13 cars and they were pretty rubbish cars. They were, they were <laughs> 10 years old. They would break down. But I started working kind of behind the desk, working with them. And I learned so much because even though at Marathon we had rubbish cars, what, what we had was brilliant customer service. You know, we were really nice to our customers when we picked them up. We would give them fresh coffee. We'd do all of this. And suddenly, even though the cars were rubbish, people would come back because they liked that ser service. And they could have gone down the road and paid $2 more. Ours were $19.95 a day for a <laughs> Nissan Sentra or whatever it was. They could have paid $2 more down the road at dollar rent a car or, or whatever for a brand new car, but they liked Marathon. Mm. And so I, I learned a lot of lessons there. And then we would go out and the owner, Chuck, would go, Ed, Ed, we're out of cars. What do we do? And I'd go, Chuck, we buy some more cars. <laughs> and we, we got all these deals with kind of Avis and Hertz. And you'd go out to this big runway where there are about 5,000 ex-rental cars. Mm. And I'd go out with Chuck and we'd cherry pick five Nissan Sentras. <laughs> and, and, and Chuck would be there and it would be, you know, 80 degrees. And he'd jack up one car change the wheel from one for another because the tire <laughs> and i'm going chuck we can get tires for three bucks but but no and it it grew and grew and in in the end with marathon i actually opened one in san francisco and one in san diego and it was i i knew nothing about the car business as such i was doing it for fun mm. but it but in the end it, it you know it actually became quite a viable business and when i went off traveling around the world chuck and people really didn't want me to go so they gave me a bonus that i would come back to marathon and and help them <laughs> out so no i i learned a lot there work work with some uh, some some great people my my one regret though just before i left that brilliant film came out trains planes and automobiles yeah, yeah, yeah one of my favorite films and in, in that film it's all about the guy trying to get home for Thanksgiving and everything goes wrong. And he turns up at this car rental place and they haven't got his car and they send him the wrong way. And when the name came out, it said Marathon. And I'm going, but we're Marathon. <laughs> so I did actually start writing to the film distributors saying, you know, you, you, are, you, are, you are basing this on Marathon Rent-A-Car. And they, <laughs> they said, it, no, it's Marathon Car Rental, not Rent-A-Car. Right, and I of said, course. that's like saying Ronald Reagan is U.S. president, not president of the <laughs> USA. It's the same thing. But. Unfortunately, my lawsuit didn't go through because I think I went <laughs> off to Mexico or I traveled around the world. So I never made a lot of money after trains, planes and automobiles, but it is a really good movie and I'd certainly still recommend it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Oh, well, there's definitely more that we need to talk about, I think, at some point, because I've, I've seen the list of cars that you've owned as well, but I, I don't want to deter too much away from the electric car drive, and I hope we've been... A, a fair balance of, of for and against. Obviously, I, th I think it's un. Yeah, we, we'd be silly to think that the future is is going to change. It is going to become more electrified. But that said, the petrol cars aren't disappearing. You know, they're not they're not going anywhere. If if like me, there are people listening with their 
1990s BMW M cars. They're, they're, nobody's going to come and take them away. You know, we are, uh, we are able to keep them. And, and if anything, we can enjoy them a little bit more guilt-free, I guess, mm-hmm. knowing that the, the, the good stuff, the oil and the petrol and, and the diesel in some cases, is being kept for the cars that we do want to see staying on the road. Mm-hmm. And those of us that are driving around in our Zanussi washing machines in order to pick up the kids and do the shopping and, and, and do other bits and pieces like that, we have the option to be doing that in a vehicle that's not pumping out any emissions at all. So, yeah. No, I, I think that's right. It would be really interesting just before 2030, though, whether there's a big rush, you know, I don't know, to get a petrol 911 or, or, or something, yeah. you know, before they stop. And then they become real collector's items. So that's it. But, yeah, but no, the f- future's exciting and it's not just electric. We, we will have a lot of combustion engine cars around for ages and we'll still have racetracks and we'll still have fun with those old cars. And the AA will still have our heritage fleet with all our old vehicles and we'll we'll certainly keep all those going it you know it is part of our history it's part of our heritage and you know we 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 should we should guard and safeguard that for the future generations yeah absolutely edmund thank you so much for joining us today it's been great to have you on uh, let's throw out that e- that that um, website just in case there's anyone listening that says hang on i've got a large driveway and i want to make a thousand pounds tax-free <laughs> um is that just park so if people just go to justpark.com you can register there you can register your driveway and if you've got a charging point you can register that as well and get some free income from your driveway which you know most of the time isn't being used that's it fantastic Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, no, really good. Really good. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.